You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast. Your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love podcast. I am your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of Arosu Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. You guys have made it to another Wednesday with us. That means we have another question and answer episode geared up, ready to go to deliver to you guys. But before we get into our quote of the day and ultimately our Q&A sessions today, I just want to say thank you to my buddies from the T.O. and Frankie J. Show. They sent me over some merchandise. I'm going to show the camera. Sent me over this really, really cool T-shirt. Frankie J has been one of my good friends for a long time. So when you guys get a chance, go ahead and check their show out. There's always some good stuff. Uh, Frankie J is an entertaining guy. And I consider him a a brother from another mother of mine. Uh, This guy taught me how to do a Windsor tie knot, which is my absolute favorite knot to tie uh, when I'm getting all dressed up and sharp and spiffy. So shout out to the T.O. and Frankie J show love to see you guys grow, or I should say I look forward to continuing to see you guys grow and doing big things in the podcasting world. And thank you again for the merchandise. Today's quote of the day comes from none other than myself, guys. I um, came or I should say I created this quote a a little while back. As you guys know, I speak a lot about uh, practicing gratitude and the benefits of practicing gratitude in your life. So um, the quote of the day today comes from myself, and it's simple as put. Gratitude is powerful, right? And that quote again, gratitude is powerful. I've been using that um, as actually actually kind of a moniker for my life for a little over three years or so, I would say now, um, since I really got into the practice of gratitude and understanding the benefits of practicing gratitude on a regular basis. It's something that I've carried with me. And I also share with others that, that are either in my inner circle or in a group setting. Gratitude is powerful, and I invite you guys to incorporate gratitude practice into your daily lives. And ultimately, I feel like you'll see that the things that you stress over and the things that you take ultra serious, in a lot of cases, they are not that serious. And if you just look at all of the things that you have available to you to be grateful for, um, you'll see yourself. Gratitude is also powerful. Question number one. Every time I try to talk about my mental health, I feel like I'm being disrespectful to people who have a diagnosis. I feel as if I'm lying, even though I know that I'm not. What can I do? Once again, every time I try to talk about my mental health, I feel like I'm being disrespectful to people that have been diagnosed. I feel as if I'm lying, even though I know I'm not. What can I do? I think you have to at this point in time, you have to be honest with yourself. And because mental health is is, is sort of new and in a lot of places is still considered taboo, you have to come to terms with the fact that you're not lying and you're not being disrespectful to any uh, person that's been diagnosed with mental health or anybody that's sharing their own mental health story. When we talk about mental health and suffering from uh, deficits and, and a lot going into your mental health, 
it's very specific to you, right? So someone's struggle with mental health may be completely different from your struggle with mental health. That does not mean that you do not have a struggle with mental health, right? I think a lot of times we run into trouble when we start to feel just how you feeling, right? And you're like, well, uh, I don't feel like my, my symptoms are that severe, or I don't feel like I am close to as bad as someone that's been diagnosed where, um, I don't think we are in position to do that. That's why we have mental health professionals. That's why we have people um, that have degrees and, and do clinical studies and all of those things for them to be able to bring that to the table. And if you really are not struggling with mental health, then they'll be certain to let you know and give you also give you techniques to work on that can help improve where you are and going forward. Right. So I would invite you not to or I should say, give yourself some grace. I would invite you to give yourself some grace and still seek mental health professional help because they can determine if you're just kind of in your own mind or if you really are struggling with the mental health barrier. Question number two, how do you break intergenerational trauma? I think one of the things that I've I've become accustomed to when we talk about intergenerate trauma period, intergenerational trauma, genuine trauma um, is talking about it. Talking about it is, is something that helps with me, or I should say help me, because once you start talking about it, you start to see that other people face similar issues that you have faced or kind of issues along the same lines that you faced. And then it it doesn't be, feel like that burden just on you at that point in time, right? Where it's like, okay, this family went through something similar to what my family went to went through. What are some techniques that you've worked on? What are some things that you guys did to kind of help try to throw a wedge into a, a lot of the generation intergenerational trauma? Um, and I think that I've been able to at least, especially over the past couple of years, I've been able to kind of nitpick and take a little from here and take a little from there um, with the people that are in my network and then the people that are also a part of my social support system and I won't say completely get over intergenerational trauma, but I certainly have opened another neurological pathway to be able to um, find techniques that can help me get over barriers when I do get stuck. Right. So seek social support, be willing to talk about it with others and be open to just like I said, with the mental health question, be open to giving yourself some grace, because when we talk about intergenerational trauma, generational trauma, these things have gone on for long periods of time. And if you're able to alter a thought process, or change a, a tendency or behavior that you used to have or your family used to have, then that's essentially um, creating a new pathway to getting over that, that trauma and being able to successfully navigate the blind spots of trauma that will eventually come as well. Question number three, why is measured temperament healthier than mood swings and hyperactive states? Once again, why is measured temperaments healthier than mood swings and hyperactive states. When we talk about mood swings and hyperactive states, that's a reactive way of thinking, right? So when we when we just jump to conclusions or, for example, I, I recently had a client that I was working with and I'm so very, very proud of him um, for being able to kind of break this barrier that he was facing. But he would wake up in the, in the middle of the day or I should say in the morning, excuse me, and he would say, OK, uh, today is going to be a bad day. And that's literally what his what his 
thought process would carry out and his subconscious would carry out throughout the day. So he'd find issues on, on the way to work in traffic. He would get to work, then find issues at work. And once he got home, he would, he would, there would be more issues and they would just compile and compile and compile until they layered up on him. And I invited him to do this, this quick technique to once your, your thought process or your brain starts to shift towards a reactive state, like a mood swing, um, or a fixed mindset to throw, throw an idea in there. Right. So, whatever your your favorite thing to do or the most exquisite place that you like to go to uh, whether that's a beach restaurant one of your favorite places as soon as you get into a situation in which you feel like you're in a reactive state throw one of those images in your mind right so imagine that you were on your way to one of your favorite restaurants or you were on the beach and what that does is it tricks our brain from going down a negative subconscious path to being more in balance, right? And that's a neuro neuro linguistic programming technique that I learned because once you allow your negative thoughts to steamroll or negative behaviors like mood swings from here to there to steamroll, it's kind of like an avalanche. It just it picks up more and more momentum. So um, throw a happy thought in there to to curve that negative thought process and to curve the temperament, right? Because I don't know if you think it's it's made you successful now, but anyone that has temperament issues or anger issues, they are not good people to be around, right? You usually walk on eggshells around those people. So if you're one of those people or you know one of those people, you want to make sure that you're you're telling them to be proactive in shifting that thought process. Question number four. How do you sustain your mental health through COVID's second and third waves? Once again, how do you sustain your mental health through COVID's second and third waves? For me, I think it's it's going to be difficult. Uh, we in Syracuse, New York, just found out that um, a lot of our gyms are closing. And I've, I've shared this with you guys before. Um, but I do love to work out. I, I love trying to stay fit, um, not only physically fit, but mentally sharp as well. And we found out our gym's going to close. So I'm going to have to get creative with my workout routine or, or with running. However, I've, I've not even thought about it yet. Um, but I'm going to have to get creative because one of the things that I do to stay mentally sharp is working out or trying to be physically fit, right? So that's how I'm looking to survive that third, second and third wave. The other things that I'm looking to do is um, launch a new, a new business at some point in time. Um, actually probably pretty soon, but I'll be doing some matchmaking stuff. Uh, so I try to, with that shift my energy in different directions. I know I won't be able to go out the house a ton. I know I won't be able to go out to eat or as I just said to the gym. So for me, it's all about shifting the energy towards another direction, but still making sure that I'm being the best person that I can be. Right. So Look at some self-improvement stuff, anything you've ever wanted to do, like learn a new language, clean some stuff up around the house, shift a room around around the house. Those are all things that I would invite you to do, because what it does is it shifts your energy from thinking about how bad COVID is. And it is it is bad um, into how you can improve and how you can do some self-improvement stuff. And the final question for our relationships, mental health uh, and love section is what psychological facts shock you? Once again, that question is what psychological facts shock you? 
I think the number one shocking psychological fact for me that I found um, probably within the last five, six years or so is that the brain can change, right? So you can learn new information and you can process new information and you can ultimately create new habits for yourself um, and your family and whoever else that you come around. And I found that so profound because 25, 26 years of my life, I was told that, okay, once you become 20, then your brain set, whoever you are, once you reach the age of 20, you'll never change, you'll be stuck in your ways. And I've shared this in the past, but I wasn't the best person at the age of 20. So to find out that um, once I hit 20, that was going to be who I was, and I was never going to be able to change or never improve, or at least that was the thought process going back then. Uh, it was it was pretty daunting and pretty scary. Uh, but over the past, I'd say five, four or five years, I've been able to shift my paradigm and shift my thought process to a more healthy one. Um, and also learn that that the brain can change. So we don't have to have a fixed mindset if we don't want to. If we can if we can put forth the effort and put forth the steps to improving and trying to be better, as long as we're willing to work at it, we will create a new neurological pathway within our brain. So I think that's so cool. I love brain science. I mean, I, I talked about it before, but neurolinguistic programming, um, NLP, uh, brain science, any type of that things like that, all psychological stuff that I recently started to dive into that I've I found to be very, very profound. And it's helped me shift my thought process. All right. So here we go. Questions for our insight from a former narcissist section. Right. So question number one, what is a narcissist thinking when they give you the silent treatment? Question number one. What is a narcissist thinking when they give you the silent treatment? When given a silent treatment, it depends on the occasion. Um, but I've found that when the narcissist is giving the silent treatment, they're trying to find a way for to make you suffer for something you're trying to hold them accountable for. Right. So if you try to hold them accountable for their actions, for something that they have going on, their way of getting back at you quote unquote, is to give you the silent treatment. And their idea of the silent treatment is like, yeah, now I'll show them how much they need me or how much um, they they have, how much they shouldn't try to hold me accountable for my actions, I should say, right? So whenever you're getting the silent treatment, that's a good thing from a narcissist because that means you're holding them accountable for their actions and they'll continue to try to skirt around that. So understand that you're not in the wrong for holding them accountable for their actions. And the silent treatment from a narcissist is typically a way of trying to make you suffer in some way, shape or form. Question number two, does it affect a narcissist if I ignore him after he discarded me? I used to be the one to always reach out in the past. Once again, does it affect a narcissist when they are ignore or when I ignore him after he discarded me? I used to be the one reaching out in the past. Yes, that is one of the top pet peeves of a narcissist is to be ignored because it shows that you've grown from their control. Right. Especially after they've discarded you, there's an element to narcissists that think that once you're discarded, you'll always need them or you'll ha always have some sort of dependence upon them. When you don't reply to their messages, when you don't respond to their Instagram or Facebook uh, messages, that is a clear sign that um, you're past them or you've outgrown them. And that is their number one pet peeve. I would say it gets under their skin to know that, you know, they no longer have any control over you. Question number three, 
what has been your personal experience with a narcissist? Once again, that question is, what has been your personal experience with a narcissist? I feel uh, I've had quite a bit, quite a few. Um, I've I've dated a narcissist who uh, would talk down to me, would tell me uh, that I'm not anything. I'm not this. I'm not that. Uh, I won't use the language. It's, it's not appropriate for this podcast, but just I'm not uh, capable of anything. I would never measure up to be anything. Um, there were times where I would catch her and hold her accountable for her actions and the lies that she was spewing. Um, and then she would find some way to flip it on me. And eventually um, after like a lot of psychological, um, like a lot of psychological pressure, I guess I would say I started to feel like maybe I was crazy or maybe I was losing my mind. And I think that was one thing that was another thing that, that kind of opened my eyes to narcissism. I didn't know what it was at the time, but when, when she was able to, um, where I should say, when I was able to clearly see something that she did and call her out on it, try to hold her accountable for it, and she was able to flip it and somehow make me think I was crazy. That's when I realized, all right, I'm, I, this is not the relationship for me. Uh, this is not a healthy relationship because I'm seeing things that I know is wrong and I need to hold her accountable for. She's denying them. And now I'm starting to feel like like a guilty person, knowing that I'm not crazy. So once I, I started feeling crazy in the relationship, I, I realized that that was probably a narcissistic relationship that I was involved in. And it wasn't going to be beneficial to me or her to stay in that relationship in the long run. Question number five. Why did your or I should say four. Why did your narcissist ex or why did my narcissist ex unblock me, send me a message? I replied and he blocked me again. So my narcissist ex sent me a message, unblocked me, sent me a message. I replied and he blocked me again. That's a form of control. All right. Going back to last week, when when narcissists do little um, things that we might consider illogical like that, it's just seeing if they still have you in their control and in a lot of cases, that's enough for a narcissist to go back to blocking you, right? So he was, he was reached out to see if you were still feeling him or still had some feelings towards him. Once you reach back out to him, now it's like, yes, I got her or I, I got him and they still have feelings for me and I know they still want me or love me or still have some type of emotion for me. And that's just, that's enough simply to block them again. Um, unfortunately, it's how narcissists work. If you're in a situation in which you think a narcissist may forgive you and ultimately you guys might be able to rekindle the romance, that is a completely false narrative to feed yourself when you're dealing with a narcissist. Even if it's an ex former narcissist, they're looking to see how much control they still have over you. Once you get out of that relationship, once you get past that person. Stay past that person. There's no need to look back because every time you dip back into that well, I can almost guarantee you um, that it'll end up bad for you. Final question from our insights from a former narcissist section is, will a narcissist give up if you won't react to their bait? Once again, that question is, will a narcissist give up if you don't react to their bait? And the answer is no. Right. If you, you can go on not reacting to their bait for the rest of their life, um, a narcissist will continue to try to um, plug at you and pick at you and try to kind of see what emotions or what strings they can draw upon in order to see if they're they still have some sort of control on over you. Right. So 
they never give up. <laughs> that's, that's something I will say for sure. They never give up. Um, but the more important thing for you is to understand that don't go for the bait. Right. They they're they'll continue to try to trap you or I like to call it like the Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs. They'll continue to leave the Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs, hoping that you start to pick up the breadcrumbs and ultimately um, come back to them in some way, shape or form. Or they can display that they have some sort of power over you in some way, shape or form. But never give up, never go or go for the bait. You're, if you're out of that situation, stay out of it. There's no benefit to being in a relationship with a narcissist. All right. So that's all the questions that I have for you guys tonight. Remember, you guys are more than welcome to hit us up at TQLP20 at gmail.com with any questions that you guys have for our big Wednesday episode. Once again, that email address is TQLP20 at gmail.com. Or you guys are more than welcome to hit us up on our Facebook page, The Quality of Love Podcast. And remember, guys, as always, The quality of love and relationships that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.